Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. That NASCAR America preparation. <laughs> I learned that on our conference call this morning. Uh, three top fives in a row. I'm not a, you know me, I'm not a numbers guy, right? When they tell me they had more quality passes than we did the race before, like, I don't care. I just, only thing I care about is what I see, right? <laughs> Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here back at NBC Sports Charlotte, where I am joined again by the mayor, Jeff Burton, who cringes whenever I call him the mayor. (laughs) I think, again, as we discussed last time, it's because Boyer gave him that nickname. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Wanted to have you back for a sequel to your hugely popular State of NASCAR two-part podcast that we did back in January. I got a lot of positive feedback. We talked about how we thought things might unfold this season. Now we're six races in. I got a text from an industry person today, Jeff, who said, hey, this is a good sample size. There's been a couple mile and a half tracks. There's been a short track in Martinsville. There's been a one mile in Phoenix. This might be a good time to evaluate where we think the 2019 rules package has landed. So just your opening thoughts on how you think it's been so far. Well, I've been a little surprised. I thought that at California, we'd see a different style race. I think the restarts have been what I thought they would be, but I didn't. I haven't seen the advantage on the straights that this package was was you know was intended to create with the ability to draft up, uh, much like we see trucks able to do. Uh, we just haven't seen it as much as I thought. I thought we would see, and I think the industry in general thought that that it would see. So, I don't think the racing is really all that different. I think that the restarts are crazy, and then once everything gets kind of singled out, I don't think really think the racing's that different. Remember last year, Harvick dominated early in the year, but I think the expectation of better racing has made the same race and not feel as good. You know, I think if you really went back last year and you watched and you said, okay, this is what these races look like, and then you watched them this year, I think they look pretty similar. But I think as, as fans and, and myself, you know, we were – believing that we would see closer racing, not, not pack racing, no one, sorry. Most people <laughs> didn't think we would see pack racing. Some people, for some reason, thought we would. But I think that, for the most part, the racing hasn't been worse. It just hasn't been better by the factor that we had hoped it would be. As you said, I think there was an expectation there would just be more drafting. Like you said, not packs, not huge groups yeah. of, of cars, but you thought maybe they'd, they'd be more dicing. So I knew, th- I knew that the best car would always have the advantage in the corner, as he should. And I knew that with the big spoiler and all the things that are going on, that it would be more difficult for the car in second. But at a place like California, we have such a long back straightaway, 
I believe that that advantage would be negated by that long straightaway with being able to draft back up to the guy. So the guy in second isn't only disadvantaged by the loss of downforce, he would be advantaged by the gain of, of the slipstream down the back straightaway and even the front straightaway. And we just haven't seen that gain to be as large as what we, we thought it would be. Now, I do think that uh, NASCAR has been pretty consistent saying it's going to be hard for them to change rules in midstream. But I do think that there is still a tremendous amount of learning that's taking place. And I think that we've seen the field be separated by the best cars are clearly the best cars. As other cars get better learning this package, will the field get closer together? I think only time will tell on that. We're taping this on the Monday after Martinsville before Texas Motor Speedway and at Martinsville this past weekend. And really going back before that to Fontana, that was the talk that we've heard Kevin Harvick say it. We've heard people with Gibbs and Penske say it, even though they far and away, I think right now, the, the class of the field. Texas will be the barometer because no one has had a chance to implement what they've learned from the West Coast swing, from Phoenix, from Fontana, from Vegas, yet because of all the logistics. Right. Texas might be the first instance in which we see Stuart Haas and those teams maybe have a chance to catch up. Yeah, and I, so here's the problem I have with that theory is that yeah. so Texas, remember, is redesigned. And so do you have one end of the racetrack that's different than the other, right? And you have this really flat corner how does this package work with that and when you know you got the other end of the racetrack tons of grip lots of throttle all the time you know so it's not it, it's a unique racetrack and I don't the thing that I did know just in, in my experience and watching the Xfinity series you know th this type of package not this package but this type of package didn't have much influence at Pocono mm -hmm. it didn't make much of a difference at Indy it made a significant difference so in watching that, I learned that it, this package would be affected differently at, at all different racetracks. So this racetrack that we're getting ready to go to for Texas isn't like a high grip mile and a half. Isn't even like a low grip two mile or mile and a half because it's both. It's high grip here and low grip there. Right. And right. so how will this package work on that kind of racetrack? I, 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 <laughs> time's yet to tell. But again, it's another type of racetrack that's different than what we've seen so far. It's funny you bring this up. Going back to a quote from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. after qualifying Saturday, he was talking about Texas. And he, he said that it'll be interesting because this I think this is what you're getting at. Turns three and four, he expects you're running closer together than most mile and a half tracks. Yep. But then turns yep. one and two that'll probably be one of the worst corners for running close to people because it's so different. Right. Yeah. And so will one and two get wider? Right. Right. I, th these are things I don't know. And one thing that would happen, would help, uh, I think would help is that if one and two got wider because the cars are making a fair amount of downforce, can, will it make it easier for them to, to widen the groove out and therefore not have to be behind another guy and having all your downforce taken off in one and two. That's just something that we don't know. But in an effort to make the racing better, you know, Kentucky changed their racetrack. Texas changed their racetrack to take one end of the racetrack and take all the banking away to try to create parity from one end of the racetrack to the other. Actually a pretty good idea in my eyes. But how will it be? That was this package wasn't thought of. Right. right. The track was changed. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. so how, will it, how will it affect this race? I don't think it'll be a worse race. I, I, I really don't. I don't think it'll be a worse race. I, I'm interested to see how much better it will be. That's what gets me about the expectations here is I don't think Las Vegas, it wasn't the barn burner that the playoff race was last September, but it it, it was better, I thought, demonstrably better than 
the March race a year ago. Yes. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is it's like Martinsville this past week. And I think the playoff dynamics can change things. Fontana being another good example of, I mean, Martin Triggs Jr. won Fontana by more than 10 seconds last year. Right. And this year, the margin of victory for Kyle Busch was like two and a half. So I guess it's just what the optics are here. For me, it's if the first and second place cars are in the same frame, that's sort of what NASCAR wanted to some degree. I mean, they would have liked, I think, more action, but I yeah, think they're getting some of it. I'm pretty sure that NASCAR believe they would see a little closer action than what than what's been seen so far. Yeah. Uh, and and listen, fans, we take these snapshots, real quick snapshots of this package is good or it's not, really quickly. And I don't blame the fans. I don't blame the fans for saying, hey, like, I, I thought they'd be closer together. I, I don't blame them, but I do think a little bit of patience is required. I think that. Uh, the teams are still learning. Their Goodyear is still learning. I think NASCAR is still learning. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. But mainly, the teams that aren't performing as well as they did last year or the teams that aren't performing as well as they want to be performing this year, they are they are working hard. Can they close that gap? You know, is Penske, are they to the point where they can't improve a whole lot, but other people can? And they, these are things that we just don't have an answer for yet. But I do think, too, I, I think the other thing that, from an optics standpoint, is, and I don't know why this happened, but when NBC started broadcasting races last year, and, and this is clearly, this is a coincidence. It's, it's, we're not taking credit for anything here. This is a coincidence. The racing got really good. We had probably the best finish of the year in our first race last year at Chicago Land Speedway, and, I mean, and, undeniably. Yeah, I mean, the racing... The Xfinity races, the cup races, yeah. they were damn good races. And, you know, we had a strong end to the year, you know, last year. And this year has gotten off to a start, much like last year got start got off to a start. So part of me is looking at that and saying, okay, the teams are going to find a way to get more competitive. Hendrick's going to find a way to get more competitive. Stuart Haas Racing's going to find a way to – they're not that far off, but a little step, and, and they're right there. I just can't get last year out of my mind and how the teams, how we saw more parity, how we saw better racing throughout the entire field. You know, I have a feeling that's going to happen again this year as the year evolves. And again, it's not, nothing about NBC covering the races. It just, it just happened that way. The playoffs are getting closer. All those things started happening. And, and we saw this uptick in, in, in racing quality. I asked Denny Hamlin after the race yesterday at Martinsville about that. Did it seem like it was a little more tame than normal? And he said, yes. And a lot of that is just for whatever reason. Well, we know the reason because it's a championship at stake. And when that Martinsville race happens in October, there are eight guys with a chance to win the race and get to Miami and play for a title. I mean, is it as simple as that? I don't know. I understand when the playoffs start, right? There's a, there's a clear mark in the, in the schedule. Boom. Playoffs are starting. You 16 teams have a chance to win the championship. You better go get all you can every week. But isn't that the case now? It should be. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're Ricky <laughs> yeah. Stenhouse Jr., right. if you are, if you're Clint Boyer, if yeah. you are, I mean, isn't that the case for them now? You'd think. And, yeah. and with, the, with the ability to earn points and the ability to help yourself when the playoffs start by what you do today can help you win a championship tomorrow isn't that intensity already there? So I so this is true. As the year evolves, more drivers get frustrated with each other, more teams get frustrated with themselves, 
more driver crew chief relationships start to deteriorate. <laughs> right. Trust me, there's a way there's way more unhappy people in October than it was in <laughs> February. Uh, and those emotions matter. You know, those people are at the end of their tolerance level. Uh, all that stuff matters for sure. Uh, but I think primarily, I think it's the competitiveness of the equipment. I think it's the competitiveness, the ability for cars to run better against their competition. The evolution of you know Joey Logano is a great example. Like who picked Joey Logano win championship last year? We're sitting here last year this time. We weren't talking about Joey Logano being the guy to beat, right? They evolved. They got better, and that's led into this year. Now Penske is still strong. So last year at this time, we were also talking about Kevin Harvick with two wins and looking like three wins. Three wins. Yeah. Oh, you're right. What do you have then? He had Vegas, Phoenix, and one Atlanta too, right? Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, you're right. Hey, man, I just I got numbers. He's just a three. Yeah, <laughs> three top five. Jeff this has year. an edge, and then yeah. he's prepping for NASCAR <laughs> America. I come in completely cold. This year he's been good, but Stuart Haas Racing just seems as if they're like one notch below yeah. Gibbs and yeah. Penske right now. Do you believe that Texas this could be? Could they take that step this weekend immediately, or do you think it'll take some time? So I, you know, I heard Clint Boyer make a comment that uh, they were on the, the West Coast swing, and he's like, "Look, we know we got to get better, but it's going to be hard to do it now. You know, there's there's things that we can't evolve in our cars. Uh, there's not enough time. So I think potentially Texas is a place where you can see not just Stuart Haas racing, but other teams improve as well. They come, they've come home, they've come home. Uh, they went to Martinsville. They learned at Vegas. They learned Atlanta." They learned at California, uh, and I think you'll see teams pop up. I think, you'll, I think you will. That West Coast swing is hard, and it's hard to make changes. It's hard to quantify, right? So you don't know the troubles you have until you have them, right? So if you're a race car driver, you go to Atlanta assuming your stuff's going to be really good, and then the problems show themselves, and then you express that, and then the team goes to work. Then you go to Vegas. Same thing. You go there thinking, okay, this is a different kind of racetrack than Atlanta. Our package is going to be good here. You go there and the problems expose themselves. You communicate that to your team and they go to work. But it's really easy after Atlanta to say, well, Vegas is completely different. Like we learned at Atlanta, but nothing that's going to matter for Vegas, right? Right. So the, the understanding of what changes you need to make evolve they don't just happen overnight because their tracks are so different. I know every, every mile and a half is supposed to be the same from each other, but they're not. And, you know, now you've gone to a two-mile track that's really slick, a mile-and-a-half track that's really slick, and you have a mile-and-a-half high-grip track in Vegas. Now they're taking all that information, and teams are changing their race cars over to what they think they need to be with the information that they have. Now, Penske's working too, you know what I mean? But they don't have as much to gain. Penske, to me, there's Gibbs, who's there with them. But really, to me, Gibbs is a four-car team with two drivers, Hamlin and Bush, who can win and have shown they can win, and then two other drivers. Eric Jones has kind of been, eh. And Martin Drake Jr. is consistent, but he's definitely not leading laps. Penske, Blaney hasn't won yet, but Logano, Keselowski have and Blaney seems to be right there the possibility here is that maybe they've kind of capped out on that's how much what growth that's they what everybody right else is hoping <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how much more they can improve but yeah I, I I you know just common sense tells you that teams that aren't running as well have as has have more opportunity to get better and we're talking about solid teams with good engineering support and good race car drivers and all that Kevin Harvick has without a doubt has room to grow right. more than 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 Keselowski's team does at this point so you know, will will they make those jumps? Will they find a way to do it? I, I think that Stuart Haas 
sitting there watching Penske run as well as they were running with the same engines allows them to focus on, okay, this is the, we can't control the engine thing. They're kicking, they're kicking our butts right now with the same engines. We know that in this building is where our problem is, right? If you're Gibbs, you don't have that luxury. So I think that Stuart Haas Racing, they can focus on their cars, whether that's aerodynamic, whether that's chassis, whatever, whatever that is. Uh, I can assure you they have a plan, and, and they're hoping they're right. Where, Pence, where, where Gibbs and TRD, you know, they're a little more isolated. They really don't have anybody to compare right. engines to. Now, you know, you can say, all right, Eric Jones, you have the same engine that Kyle Busch has, yes, but that doesn't help, that doesn't help Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, I, I think there's more, more opportunity for, or to improve at Stuart Haas quickly, in my opinion, because they can focus their, their, their effort. Gibbs is kind of benchmarking against itself, That's essentially. Correct. Would you agree with that notion that, for whatever reason, it seems like there's Kyle Busch at that team, and Hamlin is maybe just a little bit below him, and then Truex is kind of consistent, but not championship Yeah, so, so right now, that's the way it is. I, you know, yeah. To me, it's, I think that the best team right now is Penske, and that, that, yeah. clearly, you know, and I think throughout, if you look at where Blaney, I mean, Blaney, you know, I think he has three tight fives in a row, again, right. at NASCAR America preparation. <laughs> I learned that on our conference call this morning. <laughs> Uh, three top fives in a row. I'm not a, you know me, I'm not a numbers guy, right? When they tell me they had more quality passes than we did the race before, like, I don't care. I just, only thing I care about is what I see, right? But when I look at Penske, I just think that with their, th- the performance of their three teams, no one else has that right now. Let's say that Blaney is the third best at Penske. Their third best is closer than Gibbs' second best. That's the way I see it. Going back to how the racing has unfolded this year in 2019, I think one thing that surprised me, Jeff, is that aside from Daytona, when you had the typical number of pileups, there has been a dearth of cautions that involved multi-car incidents. There have been a couple of multi-car incidents that are listed that way on box scores this season, but really, I can't think of like one multi-car crash, and certainly not on these restarts, which have been wilder this year, but for whatever reason, haven't been as conducive to the wrecks you might have expected. What do you see there? Anything... Any reason so for there's some thought that the cars make so much grip they can't wreck. Well, I, I don't buy that. I think that if the cars make that much grip, then then the drivers can drive that more that much more aggressively, you know, especially on restarts, and therefore they're going to be trying to fill the same piece of real estate. I don't have an answer. I, I watched Martinsville and was, like, confused. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the, the aero package made it where people couldn't run into each other. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Still a short track, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the year just hasn't had that intensity level to it yet. It just hasn't, for whatever reason, it just hadn't gotten to that point. It will. It will. I expected that to happen at Martinsville. I felt like there was this pinned-up hostilities <laughs> that were going to come out. Uh, it's impossible to separate the package from – the track results, right? Everything good happens is not because of the package, and everything bad happens is not because of the package. And how you separate those two, I don't know. I know that if I watched the quality of racing last year, the quality of racing in the second half of the year was better than the first half of the year with no rule changes. Uh, it's easy to say, well, the package is, you know, the result of the package is A, when, when that's not necessarily the case. You know what I mean? The, the package has certainly had an influence on the races. I'm not suggesting that it hasn't. But I don't think it's I don't think it's completely fair to just say everything that's happened is because of the way the the, the aerodynamics are on the car, or the way the horsepower is in the engine. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. I can my son super late model races, and I can tell you that for whatever reason, the super late model races that we've been through this year have been calmer than I ever remember them being. 
no rule changes, no, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I sometimes things just happen and they go in trends and and then they don't change. They don't go exactly exactly the opposite. And it's it's coming. It's there's no doubt it's coming. There's going to be there's going to be some races that we shake our head and then we'll be like, what the hell was he thinking, right? <laughs> And, and But we hadn't had that race yet. Your friend of mine, Brett Griffin, was on Twitter saying that the guys aren't losing control as much. That's been a theory out there that the fact that speeds are a little bit lower has kind of changed things. And Any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, the trucks seem to wreck a lot. <laughs> Again, I, I think that the theories of why cars are out of control, why people run into each other, why people rub, rub each other, why people try to nudge each other out of the way, all those are legitimate conversations and how much speed the cars are going through the corners and how hard they are to drive and all those things are 100% accurate. But if Kyle Busch, if he can outrun everybody the way we saw him outrun everybody a couple weeks ago on a mile and a half, two-mile racetrack, then his car is definitely handling different than the others. And so if those cars that are running 15th, 20th, surely aren't handling as good as his, or they'd be running first with him. They still aren't driving great. They still aren't easy to drive. Another interesting dynamic that, if you, that, if you, that will really confuse you and blow your mind is if you go back and you watch races where the tires go completely away and you go to racetracks that are really, really difficult, you actually get less cautions. <laughs> what does that mean? Southern 500, extremely tough race, very hot. Tires go all to crap. Cars handle bad. How many people just destroy themselves and cause the caution? Go think about Rockingham, how Rockingham used to be. You know what I mean? You get those adverse conditions, and many times drivers have to focus so much on their car that you get less caution. So I don't know how to put, I don't know how to put a factor. Then, then you go to Darlington, you get caution, 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 caution. Some of it you just can't explain. We try to explain everything. We try to hope. We want to think we know everything. We want to think we know all the answers. You know, this happened, so therefore it was because of that. In many cases, we just don't know. It's circumstantial. You know, and I again, I am not in any way saying that this package hasn't affected racing because clearly it has. I just don't think we can blame everything or give credit to everything that good has happened from an aerodynamic package. Staying on the speculation tip, because Brad Keselowski said last night that he thinks Bristol with its speeds, could be resembling a World of Outlaws race. They raced at Bristol once and turned like 13-second laps. I don't think cup cars will get down into that bracket. Probably not. But <laughs> what do you think Bristol will look like? Because it certainly sounds like people are expecting an extremely I think they'll be. Race. I think they'll be three-tenths a lap quicker. I think they'll be two or three-tenths a lap quicker. One thing that there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about outside of the sport is what do you do with the PJ1? The traction compound. Right. So how do you how do you change how you're going to put the traction compound down for the additional speed and can the tire handle that additional speed in the bottom lane with that traction compound? So there's a, a another science experiment that's going to have to take place because uh, you know inside the sport there's a lot of talk about that how they're going to adjust this and there I do I do know there's some plans to make it so it's going to work but when you increase the corner speed by that much Goodyear's got to be thinking you know okay you know what's going to happen here. Bristol will will be interesting as always. I think that is there has been the the traction compound has been a resounding positive in my opinion. They need to find a way to use it. As long as the top groove and the bottom groove are kind of equalized, I don't know how much the speed is going to affect what happens there because that place is so damn fast anyway, and you get in such a rhythm. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to watch, and and with that added speed, what happens to the traction compound? How long does it last? 
all these kind of questions, you know, we, we're just going to have to wait and find out. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about drivers and their intense focus. If things are happening three-tenths of a second quicker every time you're going around a place a half mile, <laughs> that's got to change the dynamics, so, certainly. So I can tell you that without a doubt, when you go somewhere that all of a sudden the grip level picks up a tremendous amount, a place like Bristol will completely change the way you as a driver have to approach that race uh, because conditioning will right. become a factor. Right. When you make your moves will become a factor the ability to avoid a wreck becomes more difficult. So if somebody does get out of shape and you're running three-tenths a lap quicker, what, you know, how, it, it closes the reaction time up even that much more on a track where it's already difficult. And that three-tenths a lap, that's just me. It's going to have to be faster unless the track changes or the tire's not as good. It's going to have to be faster with the added downforce. It's just you know, two to three-tenths is what I'm thinking. And that's just that, if it is that much, that's going to make everything happen that much quicker. Put it in layman's terms on the traction compound. They put that down so that the lower groove would be as fast as the top groove. Yeah, right? the, top, the top groove had become so dominant. And yeah. you know, Bristol was an awesome race to go to when it was a one-groove track, but that one groove is on the bottom because the only way right. to get by somebody was to move them out of the way or, or, or force the issue. And, and it made for some incredible racing. Uh, the problem is when the groove is only at the top, and you try to move somebody out of the way, you wreck, right? You can't just move somebody out of the way because there's a wall there. And, and it, it created this very, very, very difficult situation for the driver. In some ways, it was easier. Uh, in some ways, it was much easier race, but it was way less fun to watch. Getting that bottom lane to at least give an opportunity for the drivers. That, the Bristol race has been really fun to watch with the, with the, two, with the multiple grooves. I'd be good if they, if they just put a lot of traction compound just on the bottom and made it where you had to run the bottom. Kyle Larson would completely disagree with my theory. <laughs> but but and, and in his defense, the, the multiple groove racing at Bristol has been really fun to watch. It has its moments, but yes. I, I'm with you in that I'd still prefer the root and gouge one lane around the bottom it's, of Bristol. That's it's, just my, it's what I remember starting yes, with. Yes, you there know? you have yeah. it. it it's, it's what we remember. It's what the fans remember. And it's, it's, it's part Earnhardt of... Earnhardt versus Labonte is that. Yes. Yeah. Listen... For those of you listening that get offended by this, I'm sorry, but NASCAR fans, they like to see some stuff happening. You know what I mean? They like to see, they like to see, you know, Keselowski get in the back of Kyle Busch and Kyle Busch get pissed off at him. And, you know, that's why you go to the race. And, right. you know, you, your guy is, you know, I, I sat in the grandstands for the truck race in Martinsville. And, you know, obviously my son's racing, but there were times I couldn't watch my son race because – there were two guys just knocking the hell out of each other. And I'm like, get, get, you know, it was fun, man. Like, yeah. that's fun. Like, I don't, yeah. don't want to see somebody just wreck somebody. Right. But, damn, I like to see them get after it. And it's hard. that The higher the pace gets at a place like Bristol and the higher the groove gets, it gets a little bit harder to do that. So uh, that, that traction compound, in my eyes, has been has really helped that racetrack get back to some of that. But it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they just, they just made a one-groove track <laughs> on the bottom. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, I'm sure he won't take no offense. <laughs> He'll learn how to run the bottom. He'll, he'll figure it out. I can promise you he has the ability. No question. <laughs> we'll wrap up here. Kozlowski has been consistent in saying that he feels NASCAR and the industry, the garage, everybody, fans should wait till about Kansas to kind of evaluate this. And it's not, you know, your point earlier, Jeff, about how Texas might not be the ideal mile and a half track to kind of measure this. Maybe Texas that it, will be a better race this race than it was last race. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. You know, maybe NASCAR is sort of looking at it that way and saying, hey, May. And that's usually the time when NASCAR sort of evaluates anyway, when it comes, when the series comes back to Charlotte for two weeks of All-Star 600 and then assesses where things are. In that assessment, which I would expect, again, would happen in a couple of months from now, are there any tweaks that they could make if they want to make? Well, my understanding is that the way the engines 
have been changed here with the 550 package for, for the big speedways. It's not like they can just go back to the old horsepower. The engine builders kind of had set inventories here that are yeah. months of planning and yeah. they can't just make those changes on the fly. But maybe if they did do a tweak, maybe it would just be like a spoiler thing. I mean, you could change the downforce maybe, right? Uh, well, kind I th well, I think that you could make small engine changes. I think okay. that there are some things that you they could do if they evaluated and they said, you know, if we had a little less or a little more, uh, a little. I think that with the tapered spacer, I think they could make a small adjustment without throwing the engine builders into a, just a complete uproar. You know, I'm not talking about 100 horsepower, but you could change 25 horsepower or something without completely upending everyone. Now, they wouldn't like it, but it would be okay. In the big scheme of things, it would cause a tremendous amount of stress to the engine builders, but at the end of the day, it would, if, if it's going to make the racing better, it, it, it would be okay. I think they can make small changes to the fundamental package. I don't see how they could just say, hey, at Charlotte, we're just going to run like we did last year. I don't, I don't see any way they can do that. I, I, I think the, it's so far down the road in this package that I think you're going to see this all the way through this year. And I think it won't surprise me to see them tweak something. But again, it's you know it's a different world. It's the owners are going to need to buy into it. Right. You know the owners right. are going to have to are going to have to agree to it. Uh, but I think that the owners, you know, they have to be physically responsible and they have to run companies that can be financially successful. They they have to have that. At the same time, I think the owners are clearly on the path of doing what's right for the fans as well. I think there's a way to balance that. And I think if NASCAR or the industry said, hey, look, if we did these two or three tweaks, uh, we think it would help in some form or fashion, I don't think the owners would stand in the way. I think they would stand in the way as if it was a major change. Right, right. And financially, it would just completely disrupt their, their programs. And, 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 and you can't. And, you know, right. it, it's, 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 it's not something that they can do. Uh, but I, I think the possibility for some tweaks are there. But, again, I, I, I don't have a timeline the way Brad does, you know, in St. Kansas or where, a particular race. But I, I do believe that – and I've used this word evolve and evolution a lot in this in this podcast, but that's what's happening here. There's a there is an evolution taking place, and people are learning as this happens. And I do believe that teams are going to learn, and I do believe that it's going to be more difficult for for Penske Racing to win races in October than it is right now. I think that it's going to become more difficult. Teams are going to find a way to step up. What they did last year is going to happen to them this year. Find somebody's going to find a way to be better. And, and uh, I think you'll see the competition gap lessen. Uh, I think Stuart Haas is going to get better. I, th I, I, see, I see several teams getting better uh, relatively quickly, and I think that in and of itself, right? We talk a lot about the packages and all these kind of things, but at the end of the day, the reason we're having a lot of these conversations is because Kyle Busch and Penske's kicked everybody's ass. <laughs> Very fair. Very and, fair. And, and if they can do it, so can everyone else. So they've just done a better job. Than, than others are. And, and at the end of the day, that's really what happens is that this is competition. No matter what the rules are, no matter what the aero package is, no matter what the horsepower is, the team that does it the best is going to have the best chance to win. And right now, the teams that are doing it the best are having the best chance to win, just like it's always been. And the other teams are going to have to step up. And that's going to do more for competition than t cutting a half an inch of spoiler off. I, I know there's a huge... Get rid of the splitters. I promise you, the best thing for competition is have teams that are more teams that are capable of winning races. That's the best thing for competition. I don't care if you have a splitter on the car or not. 
at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's the essence of pro sports. That's why we watch to see if they sport. can be more competitive. I went to, you know, I, I, I watched Martinsville from my, uh, from my iPad and my phone yesterday, and I went to the, uh, the Duke-UCF game. And what made that game great, I'm a Duke fan, but had Duke lost, I still would have left there saying I saw a great game. Because you had two people that played equally well or equally bad, depending on how you wanted to look at it, and you had a hell of a game. The right. game after it wasn't so good. Same court, same ball, same rules, same clock, same not same refs, but refs enforcing the same rules. One team was that much better than the other, and the game wasn't as good. It's the same thing in motorsports. The more the more parity you have in the garage, the better the racing is going to be. And with a new package, one of the dangers in a new package is someone kicking your ass because they did a better job of understanding this new package. And that's what we've seen so far this year. And, and I don't care what sport it is. It's no different. It, it's the competition level and what we watch as fans is directly related to how equal are those teams, how equal are those drivers, Right? Yep. I don't yep. care if it's basketball or racing. And what you've seen, a lot of what you've seen so far this year is Penske finding a way to do it better than everybody else and Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs finding a way to do it better than everybody else. And they have made the racing not as exciting as we want it to be. And good for them. Good for them. That's their job is to find a way to beat everybody in the ground. It's not their job to make the race fun to watch it's not their job that is not their job and you know that gap is going to that gap is going to lessen yeah. i can promise you to me the entertainment is the byproduct of really good competition that's what we'll be watching for this weekend to texas we'll see if some of these other teams can step up i i it's going to be different this i'm not saying penske and, and kyle bush aren't going to win a race i'm just saying that this is a there's we haven't been to a racetrack like this yet either it's completely different than the other racetracks have been to. All right. The next step in the evolution, as Jeff said, happens this weekend to Texas. We'll have our eye on it. Thanks for stopping by and evaluating the season. I yeah, appreciate man, it's fun. it. Thanks again to Jeff Burton for joining us. I got such tremendous feedback to the State of NASCAR two-part podcast we did in the preseason with Jeff as our guest. I thought it would be great to have him back for a sequel of sorts when we were deep enough in the 2019 season for an evaluation of the new rules package. Jeff thought that post-Martinsville Speedway would work, and he was gracious enough to come in a couple of hours before NASCAR America to tape that with me. I appreciate him being so generous with his time, as well as all our analysts who have been on the pod. Steve Wittart, Dale Jarrett, Kyle Petty also have been consistently great guests. I don't pay them extra to do this. It's all gratis, and we are fortunate they have the passion and willingness to provide that insight. If you've enjoyed the insight lately on the NASCAR NBC podcast, we should have some good guests coming up. I'm not going to jinx it, as always, but we will have a mix of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA in future episodes. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. There were some very kind reviews this week on Apple Podcasts about the NASCAR NBC podcast. Really appreciate that. Please keep those coming. They really help us out in spreading the word. And if you have any feedback for me, as always, you can send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean, 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.